Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck, a medallia company, and the Success League. StrikeDeck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The StrikeDeck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for the organization. We also offer a certification program for CSMs and coaching for customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hare, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of The Success League. And today I'm joined by Michelle Novak, the Manager of Customer Success for Iterable. We're going to be talking about quote unquote quarterly business reviews or executive business reviews or as uh, Iterable refers to them, partnership reviews. Whatever you call these, they can be tricky, um, but they are generally a big part of most customer success programs. Michelle is going to share some of the ways she has made these easier for her team and gotten their customers more involved in the whole process. Michelle, thanks for joining me on today's podcast. Thanks for having me, Kristen. So first of all, tell us how you ended up in customer success. What was your career path into CS leadership? Well, it's interesting when you uh, asked me to think about that, that I realized back really early in my career, (laughs) I was in radio um, and then I went to work in management and radio. And I think of it as essentially it was a startup. So this was in the days yeah. before duopolies and multiopolies. So the company had about nine-ish radio stations, I think, at the time that I joined in the executive offices. And okay. it grew to 90 over that period of time. Wow. And my job, I worked with the executive um, vice president of programming. And I-, I was responsible for what I think of as like internal customer success, all the program directors across the company. And again, it grew quite significantly. So there were many of them by the time I yeah. left. Yeah. Uh, I was, you know, working with them to help on the programming, marketing, and digital strategies um, for their radio stations. And so I was kind of that liaison between our VP and all of those people and helping them with all those strategies. And so it was kind of that internal CS because I had all these people that I was talking to to help them make their product better. Right. And after that, I went to work for uh, Pressloft Interactive, which was an email and database marketing SaaS platform doing sales and client services. And it was my first foray into doing sales. And the Mm -hmm. thing I realized that I really loved was the client services part. So those people and the relationships that I built during the sales process and the ones that I got to continue working with, even after they came on board, you know, I'd keep some of them and some of them would go to um, like my CS partner. Um, That was the thing I loved the most. And and I've heard that before on some of these other podcasts. And certainly as I talk to CS people, it's like, I did sales, but I realized what I really liked was working with the customers and I hated giving up that long-term relationship. And so as I realized, you know, like I was kind of done with that chapter of my career and figuring out what's next, I wanted to focus on customer success and I found iterable. I joined them just a little over two years ago and um, was the first enterprise customer success manager that was not based in the San Francisco office. 
They okay. had five enterprise CSMs. They were in San Francisco, which is where the main office was. And I was the first one in the um, New York office. So it was interesting because, again, a startup company at that point in time, I think I was employee like around 130 and a team that was just growing. And, you know, we'll probably talk a little bit about this later, but we should probably be at about 20 enterprise CSMs by the end of this year. And that was five, you know, less yeah. than about two years ago. Oh, that's some exciting growth. Yeah, it really I, is. I'd love to learn a little bit more about Iterable. What does the company do and how is your customer success team structured there? So Iterable is a marketing automation company and we power messaging for consumer facing companies. So you okay. know, our platform sends email push, in-app text messages to help with that relationship between consumers and products. So our customers are, you know, the people I work with are the product marketing managers at brands like DoorDash and Zillow and SeatGeek and Calm and hundreds more of them that are using email push in-app text in order to communicate with their customers in a very one-to-one fashion. Okay. And how, how is your team structured now? I know you said you've grown quite a bit. Yeah. Um, how are uh, you set up? When I um, joined, they had just gotten to the point where they were breaking off um, the, the team into like different segments so that we had a professional services, you know, at the time it was called implementation team. So people who focused okay. on that and then the customer success team broken into small business, mid-market and enterprise, and then support kind of previous to that, everybody was doing everything. And so it was <laughs> around that time that I joined that yeah. they had those specialties and, um, on the enterprise team, we have a book of business generally around two and a half, three million. Um, I became a manager earlier this year, so I manage a team of six people and also have, you know, a small client load myself. And, okay. you know, I, I love that, too, because I can live kind of what my team is living and still get to do that customer relationship thing. But, of course, that always makes it more of a time crunch. <laughs> it does. It does. You're probably at the top limit of people you can have before it becomes 100% management. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So let's jump into our topic. So in general, business reviews kind of have a bad reputation. CSMs often have to spend a ton of time prepping for them, and they aren't always very well attended, and they don't always focus on the right things. What do you think about customer business reviews, or as you call them, partnership reviews, and why are those important? I think maybe that's part of why we started referring to them as partnership reviews, because yeah. that QBR <laughs> perception yeah. is definitely not something that, um, you know, a lot of executives like. And the thing that I think is so important about them is that it really is an opportunity to get out to the day to day. We're talking to our customers on a regular basis, but we're talking about this thing we're working on, that project, this, you know, challenge that you're trying to overcome. So it gives you the chance to step back and be strategic. Mm-hmm. Um, a chance to really learn where the customer's going and, and you know, what their next steps are, what their goals are, because you don't get into those conversations in the day-to-day. It's like, what's this immediate thing that we need to get done? So the longer-term stuff, you get a chance to see. Of course, the executive stakeholders, getting them in the room is really critical so that you can build some of those relationships because yeah. the day-to-day person can love you as much as possible. But if the executive stakeholder decides they want to look at a different solution or save money or whatever, they need to see the value that you're bringing and those partnerships reviews help that. And I, I always think of it as a way to, to make my day-to-day contacts look like heroes to their execs by giving them a forum to show like how they are being successful um, reaching their goals using the iterable platform. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that's both important just in your relationship with that person, but also a really great way to get them to agree to loop their boss in on the, the right. presentation, <laughs> which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute, but I just <laughs> want to touch on that because I think that's so critical. Um, let's get into how you made your partnership reviews more effective. First, I'd like to start with preparation. How does your team get ready for a great partnership review? Well, I'm going to use a bunch of cliche things here that are, are actually in our okay, deck to help us. Yes, right, right. Cliches are cliches. Don't go for it. <laughs> so one of them is the WIIFM, the what's in it for me, like yeah. sensibility about what is it from the perspective of the customer? Like, why are they doing this? What's in it for me? What are we going to bring to the table that makes it worth their time? Right. And then we have a 50-50. It's actually kind of like a 50-50-50 rule. So 50% of it should be focused on past activity and the successes they've had. 50% of it thinking about the future of, of what they're going to be doing, whether that's you know information that we're sharing with them to give them ideas or them sharing that information with us about what they're looking to do. And then having the client talk 50% of the time. So okay. I realized that's 150%. <laughs> doing the math and I was like, wait, Michelle, that doesn't add up, but okay. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so if you think about it. 33, 34. <laughs> well, maybe it's like 20, 50, 50 with 25, 25 okay. in there. So it's 25% of that, 50% okay. of the time the customer's talking. <laughs> oh, my math brain hurts now. That's um, okay. <laughs> and, you know, to get started, um, one of the things that we created when we redid this um, gosh, I'm trying to think of what it was, maybe almost a year ago, is okay. we created a survey that we encourage the, you know, the CSMs to send out to the customers, as many or as few of them as they want, for maybe about five to seven questions. So you can get a read on what's important to them. And, yeah. and I think that's been hugely helpful and also helps with the buy-in with the customer. Okay. I want to talk more about that survey. So what are you, tell me more about that. What are you looking for in those surveys and how do they help you ensure that the meeting is successful? I went back and looked to see kind of how we've shaped it. As I said, okay. you know, typically you don't want it to be more than about five to seven questions. Some of them yeah. are open-ended, some of them are rating scale type of things, but the, we created a template just to use as inspiration for the team. And our categories are kind of bucketed into the future, like what's coming up for them. So asking yeah. them that, questions around that. Success. So what was successful for them and what does success look like? Um, so okay. trying to get a gauge on that. Uh, satisfaction, obviously, with the product, satisfaction with the iterable team, um, with their CSM, support team, etc. cetera. Um, what else do they need from us? So some of the needs and okay. then opportunities. So a chance to see what expansion opportunities there may be within their org. Obviously, you know, CSMs are always looking to see, are there other divisions where we can, you know, bring our value to your company and obviously expand our revenue? Or are there other products or in our suite that they could leverage? Because they may have come to us to start using us to do email, for example, with Iterable. Mm -hmm. and, but they're just about to build an app, which means now push notifications is something that they could be leveraging out of the platform. And we can learn about those things and then figure out how to help leverage it. So learning about those things. And, uh, you know, the first time I did it, I was like amazed and really excited by the results that I saw. And, and I was thinking back on that kind of prepping for our conversation is yeah. there's just stuff I wouldn't have known until I got in the room in terms of what they were planning to do. This particular customer right. had two main objectives for the year. And, you know, knowing those in advance gave me a chance to 
to make space and really dive into those conversations as I planned, you know, the time that we were spending together. Yeah. And it, it also gave me a chance to pull together some ideas or examples from other customers who are doing some of those things just to help inspire them and help them, you know, build the roadmap for how to achieve those goals. Yeah. I really like this idea and I don't know that a lot of people are doing that. Has the response rate been pretty good? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's every CSM is probably sending it to different numbers of people. Some are kind of sending it to all the people in the room. Some might just be asking the one or two, like really, you know, close to them people. But I think you always get someone or someones to give you some of that response there. And, and, and it really, like I said, it helps shape it. If you just a couple weeks out, you know, you know, you're planning on it, ask them, maybe you need to nudge them a little bit and you have your yeah. like check-in as it gets closer. But I think once they also see, and I haven't necessarily done it for every single QBR, but once they see that this information they give you results in a more productive conversation, I think they're pretty willing to, to spend the time doing it. Yeah. Well, and this goes along with my next question a little bit, which is that you told me your customers spend time with your team doing some of the prep work for these meetings. And I find this really interesting um, what exactly do you have them do and why did you decide to involve your customers in this way? I'll give full credit to one of my you know, primary customers. She okay. has always done you know, QBRs and asks her team to bring their year over year numbers, as well as put together a slide with the goals for the next quarter. So it was something that um, she required her team to do. And, and so you know, we really collaborate on the deck and I realized how much I learned from them by okay. having them sit there and present the year over year numbers and where their goals are and stuff like that, that it's helped, helps me be better for them. Yeah. Um, and for the ones who don't have that kind of manager, who's asking them to do that, it, it's the opportunity to let that team, you know, my day-to-day contacts shine in front of the exec team when they're bringing something to the table that they can speak to. So what, what exactly do you typically have them do? Do they bring goals to the table or are they bringing kind of the customer side of things? What, what are they bringing? It, it can vary. I mean, I, I okay. mentioned this one of them. It's their year over year numbers. So they might talk right. about these particular, you know, objectives and like how they okay. reached that goal last year and how it is, you know, this year. It might be that they were launching. So in our world, you know, people are creating customer journeys in order to, you know, abandon carts or engagement or win back yeah. customers, stuff like that. So it may give them a chance to talk about like, hey, we made these changes or hey, here's what our success has been looking like. Um, and and here's what we did and here's what we've learned and, and things like that. So it, it depends okay. customer by customer. Okay. That makes sense. Before we continue with the rest of the interview, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. If you like Strike Deck Radio, I'd like to introduce you to my new podcast, Reading for Success. Reading for Success is a short weekly podcast where I review books and articles on customer success leadership, break them down for you, and help you figure out whether or not they are worth your time. We will also be featuring author interviews from time to time. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many of the other podcast platforms. I hope you'll join me for Reading for Success. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know I love data. If you want to create a data-driven customer success program, 
StrikeDeck's Pro Guide to Customer Success is a report based on a preliminary study of 5,600 CS professionals from nearly 600 companies. It highlights the scope of customer success and offers valuable data points to help CS professionals enhance their initiatives. Get access to it now and let data drive your decision making. We'll add the link in the description of this podcast. And now back to today's episode. So, Michelle, your approach to partnership reviews is different in a lot of ways from how other organizations approach business reviews. How did you roll your new process out across the team? Uh, I got assigned this task because okay. <laughs> it's one of my MBOs because I think my manager had seen some of the ones I had done with customers and, and was liking what I was doing. Um, and so then it became a real project for me. Um, <laughs> but to, to go beyond kind of what I already instinctively knew or what I generally did, I did a lot of reading and a lot of Google research and, and you know, found there's an awful lot of articles, obviously, out there about QBRs and how to do them well. And so I pulled from those things what will really, you know, resonated with me. Um, I looked at decks from across the team. So one of the things that we do internally is we have a Google Sheet. And so whenever somebody does a partnership review, then they um, post it there, like post, post the link to the Google Doc. And so it was, you know, looking for inspiration, other things like that. So went through a bunch of team members' decks and found good things that they've done that I thought could be useful and, okay. and created a big deck that has multiple parts to it. You know, I'll tell you it's 70 slides and then most people have a heart attack. <laughs> it, it, it's broken up into 10 different sections. So okay. you can like use what fits or is necessary for your specific customers. Obviously, nobody uses them all. So they might be, you know, That's some good. things that are more about like, you know, creating charts and metrics and stuff like that to be able to show like where they've gone. Um, it's, you know, there may be some like audit that you might do for a customer. You're not going to do that every time, but maybe once a year, you kind of do an audit on some of their their work and give them ideas. So it's, you know, case studies, different things like that, kind of feature re- um, releases, uh, product roadmap, all those different things that uh, you can kind of pull the things out of it that make sense for this particular partner and, and what you need to talk about in this conversation. Okay, shoo. Because I was like, 70 slides is like a movie if you're trying to <laughs> squeeze that into an hour. No. <laughs> you know, I would bet that most of them end up to be about, and then you've got your divider slides and stuff like that. But yeah. there's maybe, you know, I don't know, 20 slides of actual content. Got it. Or something okay. Like that. Yeah. that makes me feel much better. <laughs> <laughs> when I was looking at the number and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to say that because you know that people's immediate reaction is going to be like, uh, 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 are you kidding me? That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when all is said and done, what does a successful partnership review look like from your perspective and from the customer's perspective? For me, it's uh, definitely, you know, that better understanding of their business and where they're going. Um, If I walk away from that and I feel like I know what's coming up for them, what's important, what some of their pain points are, then I can think about focusing on how I can help them achieve those goals or, you know, get over those pain points. Yeah. Um, Making sure that executive stakeholder is in the room and not just in the room, but engaged in the conversation like that, I consider to be a successful partnership review Um, because, you know, I'm sure most of us have had that executive stakeholder in the room who's busy checking their phone the whole time and never looks up at slides (laughs) and and all the rest of that stuff. So if you can get that person engaged in the conversation, I always feel like that's a real win. Um, From the customer side, I I like to think that, you know, concrete action items, um, that 
you know, you take from that of things that they're going to do and things that you're going to do and, and that you really follow up on them. And then the next time you have one, you kind of look back at those and say, yes, we tackled these. No, we didn't. But here's why. What do we still need to do in order to you know get to these goals? Because not all of them are just, you know, going to get done in a quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know this is a pretty new approach for you, but what are some of the early results you've seen from your shift? The feedback from my fellow CSMs has been really encouraging. I was honestly a little bit, um, you know, when I had to go to the meeting and say like, hey, here's our new deck, you know, what do you think and unveil it and and why and all the things behind that. I wasn't really sure uh, how well it was going to be received, but even like that initial conversation has been great when they just saw what it looked like and the elements that it included. And um, the survey, like you also, you know, said that it really was intriguing to you that's been intriguing for them and is helping them all uncover mm-hmm. things from their customers they wouldn't have otherwise and so you know i'm getting i've gotten good feedback kind of internally from folks about how it's helped them prepare more easily and have it be you know early on you mentioned something about um you know they take a lot of time to prepare i think that yeah. we helped make this less difficult because you've got that template that's got a lot of different pieces that you can pull from. And so once you've done it, like you tend to do this, some of the same things. I mean, we have some particular charts that we run and just update, you know, each time with some month by month metrics. And mm-hmm. so once you've done that first one, it's a lot faster to do like this next quarter or however long it's been since you met with them. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I talked a little bit before about the, the audits, um, yeah, we we've got some, you know, a couple of different ways and approaches for you to be able to do some of those audits of the customers program and offer very specific recommendations to help them evolve their customer journey, which helps with that proving the value um, that we're bringing to them, helping them, you know, leverage the platform more, get deeper um, usage out of it and all those things that we know are important to make somebody sticky and, and stick with you. Yeah. So tell me, if someone's in the audience and they're looking for maybe a new approach to QBRs or EBRs or whatever they want to call them, uh, what is the first thing that you would recommend that they consider? Uh, I, I do think that, one, that survey is yeah. really uh, something That's a cool that I idea. Would, would, would think about doing. Um, I, I think that another part of it is if you're not having the customer participate in some way, shape, or form, uh, think about if or how you can do that, or at least, you know, pick one customer maybe in which they are most likely to, you know, kind of buy in on that with you and, and talk through it and try mm-hmm. it once. Um, again, I think that's proven to be really helpful. And the notion of them presenting in front of that exec sponsor for some people is pretty scary, but for others, they realize that if you're there being their cheerleader going, yeah, you really nailed that, that, you know, yeah, it, it, it's a win for them because they've, they may have some of those regular conversations about here's our numbers, here's our numbers, here's our numbers, but maybe not the like all the stuff that went into creating this, you know, intensive abandoned cart, you know, um, yeah. program that is producing those numbers. Right. Yeah. I mean, if I could throw one more thing in there from what I've seen, I think, um, you know, just make sure your, your deck is focused on your customer and not. Right 
the things that benefit your business. Because I think it's really easy in CS to kind of get focused on, okay, well, this is the stuff that we know are the stats that make these customers more sticky for us. And you right. tend to think, oh, well, that's what everybody cares about. But not every customer cares about that stuff. They care about you know, what your solution does for their business. And that's unique for every customer. So if your deck and your presentation can be more um, tailored for that customer and that customer specific needs, it's going to resonate more. Yeah. Back to that. What's in it for me, but the exactly. me the customer me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that the survey also, depending upon the questions, one of the things that it does too is just, you know, one of the questions might be whether KPIs and people's KPIs yeah. change over time. And so that you gives do. you a chance to do exactly what you said is make sure that you're focusing on what's important to the customer if you're making sure you're asking about what those KPIs are on a, on a regular basis. Very cool. Thank you for all this great content. Um, last question, and this is something we ask all of our guests. Uh, what do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? Um, I feel like in, in and I'm going to give a little plug here for Thrive Network, which I know you're okay. uh, aware of. Which I'm is a the... fan of. <laughs> I'm not just aware of it. I'm a fan of it. Yeah. yeah, you were kind enough to participate. For those who are listening and don't know, it's a customer success organization that I co-founded with a couple of other female CS pros. And, and like I said, you spoke to our group and, um, we, you know, have a Slack group with a lot of robust conversations that people have. And we, we do regular in this world, it's now like zoom, you know, presentations yeah. and stuff like that. They used to be in-person networking events with speakers and stuff. And I feel like what I have seen a lot is, um, questions about health scoring and yeah. how you can do that and ways to go about that. So that's something that we within our own company have focused more on in the past year. But even before that, it was a question that was coming up a lot, whether it's in our Slack group or, you know, we had a whole um, panel on it uh, in a pre-COVID world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting topic. And I think, you know, it's evolving, too, because... Um, companies are, are getting more savvy around machine learning and analytics and artificial intelligence and starting to apply that to health scores and making it a little less um, sort of guesswork and manual algorithms and a little more um, data science-based. And so that that's an interesting trend, I think. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I think it's hard to do, honestly. I mean, sure. when we were thinking about it and talking about it, the you know support-related CSAT scores that could occur, like how good was your experience getting your answer to this question is very different than the, how good is your CSM and how much do you like the platform and some of those other things that yeah. kind of are a longer build and less, I don't know, like tactical or something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, I think with surveys, it's a lot of the individual's perception at that point in time, you know, and their happiness at that point in time. And that's not always why people purchase things or renew. Mm -hmm. um, you know, renewal is really based on, did they see a return on investment to the level where they would buy it again? And that's a really different question than, are you happy enough? with us, you know, so, so I think, you know, sometimes those surveys can be a little misleading because you can have someone that's really happy with you 
and then turn around and be like, hey, guess what? COVID, our budgets got slashed and we're not going to renew. You know, I mean, I think we've probably all had that experience. So um, it's not about liking, it's about seeing value. Yeah. And um, that's hard to measure. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. It is hard to measure. Yeah. Well, Michelle, thanks so much for coming on the show today and sharing your updated approach to business reviews. I love that you were willing to get into the details and I know our audience really loves that and will take away a lot of great ideas from today's podcast. So thank you. Thank you. I'm completely happy to talk about this with with anyone, share some of the stuff, share some of the survey questions. I'm on LinkedIn. It's Michelle Novak, N-O-V-A-K. Feel free to DM me. Or I mentioned, you know, the Thrive Network. So happy to have oh, yeah. any, any women who would be maybe interested in joining our Slack group. Again, reach out to me. It's, um, you know, it's all free. It's just like a, a place for a lot of idea sharing and facilitating. So um, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn and, and I would look forward to connecting. Thank you. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And finally, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.